Don't you love Fourth of July? I mean, isn't it great? It's just kind of relaxed, and you got some, you know, people are on vacation, and we have a lot of people on vacation today, and and uh, I always say on the 4th of July, we celebrate the freedom given to us in Christ Jesus. We have freedom in our world, but Christ has given mm-hmm. us freedom, and what a great time to kind of stop and say, thank you for the hope that I have because of Jesus Christ, that that uh, no matter what I'm facing right now, um, because of Jesus Christ, I can be free. And I believe that, uh, especially there's this sense of, like depression um, uh, th- that the enemy's trying to bring against some people. I, I just want you to know that that is oppression. And um, I just declare life over you right now that that depression, if you know somebody who's going through depression, it's a very real feeling to them. It, it is like their mind, it's like you're in a rut and you can't get out of the rut and you know what you're feeling and thinking is bad, but just like you can't think your way out of it. We can't think, we just need the Holy Spirit to help. And, and it takes other believers that refuse to just call it a chemical imbalance. Right? How many believers in here? That it's not just a chemical imbalance, that there is, there is power when you come to the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit's there to, to literally start to put into order some things that need to be in order in our mind and our thinking. And so will you do this with me? Because I just really feel like there's some going through this. I just want to pray over you right now. And uh, if you, if you want to put your hands on your mind or on your face or your head and you say, well, I got makeup, I don't want to mess it up or my hair, I get it all. But I believe in the power, but we got to pray. It just ain't going to happen. Like some people think it just will happen. Like I'm going to wake up one morning and it's, no, you got to ask the Lord. We, we pray to the Father and we communicate with the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father and we have communication with the Holy Spirit. So Father, right now we come to you and, and we ask in these situations right now where this oppression has come in depression, we just, with the breath of the Holy Spirit, like the wind of the Holy Spirit, we just go, and we blow that cloud of oppression, that thing that's just like rutted, rutted in, in them right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that that depression, we command and declare that that go right now. And we declare life over them that their thinking would be set free from the lies of the enemy right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And I plead the blood of Jesus over your thinking right now. We're going to talk, we're in a series on wisdom, kind of turned into a series on wisdom. I wasn't really planning to do it, but uh, we're talking in, in Proverbs, talking about Proverbs. And I, I want you to turn into, uh, in chapter four, it says our theme really is uh, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. It, wisdom's something that you want to pursue. It's something you're running after. You're going to go after it. And, um, and I hope that you're doing that. You're looking for wisdom. It is, it is funny how um, in our culture today, asking other people's thoughts and opinions is almost become something that you don't hear much of anymore. Because I want everyone to think, I got it figured out. I know what I'm doing. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And wisdom is the complete opposite. Wisdom, when there's no one asking questions, there is no wisdom. Wisdom is that thing where you go to someone, you just ask, you don't have to agree with it. You just ask a question because you want to understand what they think. And you don't give your response. 
unless they ask for it. You, you're trying to figure out where other people are at. So Proverbs, we've talked about this. The first nine chapters of Proverbs makes a case for wisdom. Chapter 10, it starts with the Proverbs of wisdom. And we see honor, which is something that we... <laughs> how many would agree the culture of honor isn't really in our culture today, Right? Okay, let me take it one step further. Would you agree that the culture of honor is not really in the church today? So there's, quite frankly, a pretty good case that could be made that the reason we don't see the honor in our culture today is because the church should be a culture of honor that's representing it to people around. And if you have no mirror or have no image for which people see what honor is, there's nothing that tells them that they're a culture of dishonor. Like the church must be, a, a, there must be a culture of honor in the church. And the outside culture, the culture of this world, has influenced people in the culture of the kingdom of God. We need a culture of honor. And, and here's what's interesting. <laughs> In many cases, we don't even know what that is. Like we're, because of the lack of discipleship in the church, people who just don't want to disciple others, they've not been discipled to be a culture of honor. And then we've just discipled another culture with no honor. And, and honor is something we, you can't do in your own power. I get it. But there are things you can honor that aren't hard to honor but we should honor so that if we start honoring the things that aren't hard to honor, we'll be able to more likely honor things that are hard to honor. Does that make sense? But if you're not honoring anything, you will never honor the things that you, you'll just continue to dishonor. So, so let's take a look at this because in Proverbs chapter 10, really, you see this thing of honor in the, the first verse of the Bible and the last verse of the Bible. And uh, Proverbs 10 one says, the proverb of Solomon, a wise son brings joy to his father, honors his father, and brings joy. But a foolish son brings grief to his, his mother. This, it really is a relational proverb, and the fool has relationships that they despise. Fuel, fools lack, have a lack of honor in their relationships. There's a lack of honor for people. And you see this more than ever. We, we really look at relationships for how they add value to my life. It is, it is like if, if that person isn't someone that adds value to my life, then I don't need that relationship. Really, the relationships, and there's leadership gurus and books that have been written. And if, if relationships don't add value to their life, just eliminate them. Because you're wasting your energy on them. So only have the relationships that bring value in your life and get rid of the rest. And we're consumers of relationship rather than builders of relationships. As soon as we consume them until they're done and then we throw them out. And broken relationships we treat just like broken things. As soon as that relationship breaks, rather than going through the energy of fixing the relationships, we throw them out and get another. And we shouldn't be surprised that that's what marriage looks like these days. It's how we treat relationships. If you're, if you're a married couple and that's how you treat every other relationship in your life, 
you should, you should understand you're setting yourself up to treat your marriage that way. Soon as it's broken, it's done. So we despise these relationships. And to despise means to be in contempt of, to scorn, disdain, to consider worthless or unworthy of honor. Honor is a relationship principle that can and will change your life, if you understand it. Then if you go to the last verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 31, which is the story of the, of the uh, Proverbs 31. Oh. I mean, Rich, no one responded. I think like one per, maybe I need to, you know, it's hard for me to preach on Proverbs 31 woman. You know, we'll probably find a woman to do that. But uh, how many have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman, right? And no one wants to really talk about it because that's old fashioned. But, well, here's what it says in verse 31. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Isn't it interesting that we're really good at honoring people at funerals? But, but we rarely honor them to their face. That there are so many things in our life. How many times do we brag on our wife? We brag on our husband. We brag on our boss or our employees. Or we brag on, on politicians. Now you see it. Now you see it. Did you see it? The enemy is really good at thinking, we don't have a problem with this. We have a huge problem with this. And what's incredible about honor is when you dishonor, you shut off. The ability of the power of God to work through you. And for you to receive anything from anyone. You wonder why we have such poor, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be rude, and I'm not trying to be, but we have two men that are at the top running for president, and they're in their 80s. In a country of 360 million people. How many are in their 80s saying, I'm probably not operating at the capacity I did when I was in my 50s. <laughs> How many would agree? I got a lot of experience, but I don't remember them. How many are like, I'm 60 and that's happening to me, right? When you dishonor people, that's what you get. Nobody wants to be dishonored. Nobody does. And the moment you sign up for that, you're signing up to be dishonored, hated, torn down, attacked. Why would anyone want to subject themselves or their families to that? And we all think it's worthy. It's in a culture of dishonor. We've created our own beast. Stop complaining about something you created. And when I say you, I mean America. We create it every time we attack people and we don't honor them. Every time we think we have a right to dishonor people when God's called us to honor. If we can't demonstrate honor, who will? The atheist who thinks we're a bunch of mistakes with no purpose? If the Christian church can't stand up 
and show people what it is to honor. Who is going to demonstrate honor to the world around us? We need a culture of honor that we honor our wife, we honor our husband, we honor our boss, we honor our employees, we honor our politicians, we honor our neighbors, and we honor pastors, we honor people in authority, we honor the policemen, we honor people around us, even when they don't deserve it. Let me rephrase that. Especially when they don't deserve it. But if we can't honor them, When it's easy to honor them, how will we honor them when it's not? People are so bold to dishonor people today. We're not ashamed at all to dishonor people. Not that we should have shame. But what does a culture of honor look like? What if, what if, what if it was possible if the church just started honoring people? What if we started honoring people rather than tearing them down? Isn't it interesting? And, and Pastor Alex is really good at this. He said, if people are going to watch your videos, because there's thousands and thousands of videos on social media. If people are going to watch your videos, then you got to put something in there like a thing called clickbait. Right? you got to put them in there, something on there that gets their attention so they stop and they click on it to watch your video. So it's got to be something interesting. And you know what a lot of people use as clickbait? Negative things. Tearing other people down. You know, there's something that rips apart someone's character. It doesn't even need to be true just so they watch your video. So you can create this flow of people that will monetize or make you money in this whole thing. So I'll, I'll character assassinate anyone in order to make money. And what do we do? Click. We feed into the negative things far more than the positive things because in us is this thing to want to find out that like it's, it's this feeding of only dishonoring people so that I somehow feel better about honoring me. It's interesting. There's this principle. Let me think about it. What is that? Hmm. Hmm. It's this biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Right? <laughs> You're a fool to think. There, there are three things with sowing and reaping, okay? And, and if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not, write this down. <laughs> Here's the first thing. You would be a fool to think you're going to reap something different than you sowed. Everyone in here wants to be honored. We love honor, right? <laughs> oh, I know it's 4th of July, but let's not get that relaxed. <laughs> Would everyone agree that we like to be honored, right? How many like to be honored by your spouse? Half of you. So don't ever, don't ever complain when you're in a fight because only half of you respond. How many like to be honored by people around you, right? When you do something at work, you want to be honored for it, right? Isn't it normal? But we expect to harvest something that we don't sow, A farmer doesn't go out and sow corn and expect a harvest of wheat. He expects corn. So the first truth is sowing and reaping what you sow. If you sow honor, you're going to reap. If you sow honor, you're going to reap. So ask yourself, am I reaping enough honor? Because if you're not reaping honor from people, you haven't been sowing it. 
You don't have to complain about not reaping honor. Nobody honors me. Nobody honors me. I just so dishonored. The, the, the thing I would say then is, instead of complaining about it and trying to manipulate people into honoring you, why don't you start sowing it so you can reap it? Do we really believe biblical principles, though? Here's the second thing. What you sow today is reaped later. First one is, you reap what you sowed. The second thing is, you reap later from when you sowed. So you sow honor today, don't go outside and say, well, nobody honored me today. Well, give it time. You're still reaping what you sowed two months ago. You have to, it has to go through its course. So you start sowing honor even though you're still reaping dishonor or no honor. You start sowing honor today, you'll reap it down the road. That's number two. Here's number three. You always reap more than you sow. You always reap more than you sow. The more honor you sow today will be multiplied beyond your imagination tomorrow, later. So if you're reaping all kinds of dishonor, you say, it's just not fair. They just don't know. All of that complaining isn't going to change it. You have to stop and say, okay, I need to just take my medicine and start sowing as much honor as I can, and I'll see it later. It's true. This is true. It happens. We need to sow honor. So what does a culture of honor sowers look like? Isn't it amazing how you can change literally people's view of another person by honoring them? It's, it's incredible. I'll talk about it in a moment. Honor means place value, worth, or weight on something or someone. We're going to place value, worth, or weight on someone. I'm going to look at them the way God looks at them. I'm not going to look at them through their failures. I'm not going to look through their mistakes. I'm going I'm to honor them the way God sees them. Dishonor means to take something Likely to take them for granted, focus on their flaws. Every and, and how many know everyone has flaws, right? So here's number one: honoring begins with God's claim on them. God can see you in your complete depravity and see you in uh, your perfect person all at the same time. This is where we fall into this trap, this dysfunctional trap of prayer, when we think the only time God talks to me is when he tells me what I did wrong or he tells me what to do. First of all, God wasn't talking to you because God doesn't come to condemn you. God's not focused on your failures or your mistakes. Please understand this. I've said this numerous times. There's a reason I repeat myself, not because I've forgotten I've told you. Because you've forgotten I told you. If you're praying and all God focused on was the failures and mistakes and the sins that you made, it ain't God. It's the devil. Because he's the condemner of men. And it's why so many people have stopped praying is because when they go to pray, they don't recognize the difference between the devil's voice and God's voice. You have to check the character in the voice. God isn't sitting there telling you where you failed and all the things. And, and quite frankly, that shouldn't be marriage. Now, somebody should have said amen right there. If not for you, for someone else that wanted to say it but couldn't because they were. 
You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right? The marriage isn't about pointing out everybody's flaws and failures. It's amazing how much your marriage will change if you just start focusing on what they do well. God doesn't, God doesn't rehearse your failures. God doesn't think, it's funny in parenting, we think when our kid messes up, that going and telling them how they messed up when they already know they messed up is somehow going to set them free from messing up in the future. You know what you did? You dirty dog. You're nothing like your mother. Why couldn't you be more like your sister? I wish you would behave better. Well, they already know that. It's funny, someone was telling me the story about how their kids all got in trouble in a group of people, and they, got, they ended up at the police station. A number of years ago, I heard this story. And they said when they went down there, they were one of the last parents to get there. And when they got there, all of these parents were telling the kids what they did wrong. And, and he had this epiphany. They already know. And, and he is like the God opened his eyes to see how they were attacking the kid and literally putting him back. And he came and he said, well, you got yourself into some trouble, haven't you? And this is what he said. He said, you've never needed me more than you do right now, son. <laughs> and he said, this isn't who you are. And all the other parents are yelling at their kids. And the Lord gave them this revelation. I'm not going to yell at them. Because he knows he messed up. He knows he's going to have to walk through it. Well, I'm going to let him hear No, I'm here to walk him through it. I'm his parent. It's the difference between honoring your child and dishonoring them. Isn't it amazing how easy it is to dishonor? That you really need divine help. You need Because he was able to do that because the Holy Spirit gave him a different way. A better way. A new and living way. I remember Mackenzie, I've told this story, and for those that don't know, our children's pastor here at Farmington is my daughter Mackenzie, my oldest daughter, who I'm very proud of. And um, she can drive me nuts sometimes, but... She's so much like me in so many ways. How many parents know it's the kids that are most likely that can drive you crazy, right? But you love them. <laughs> and uh, when she was in grade school, the teacher said, You're, you know, she got a failing grade. And she was crying in the bathroom. The teacher saw her and said, you know, some kids are just not good at school. They're just not, this, you know, they're just not smart. Something to that effect. I mean, just they're good in other ways. Well, Mackenzie came home, and I saw her grade, and, and, and in our house, you can do whatever you want in your house, but in my house, you got less than a B, you were in serious trouble. We don't do less than Bs. My expectation was that, and they will always, listen to this, parents, they will always live up to your expectations if you give them the tools to do it. And I said, honey, we don't get less than Bs here. Why did you fail? And, and, and I always told, it's just you didn't apply yourself hard enough. You got to apply yourself. You got to study more. Maybe one doesn't, but you do. And uh, she's like, well, Dad, the teacher said, and then she told me what the teacher said. She goes, some kids are not, not, what she said was, some kids are just not smart. And I said, who told you that? Who told you that? And she told me the teacher told her that and then told me what the teacher said. So I had two conversations. First one 
was to tear down every lie that teacher tried to put into my daughter. The second one was with the teacher and principal. And that one was a little more intense. (laughs) You know what? The teacher later came to us when we left Michigan and thanked me for addressing that with her. Because I didn't dishonor her in it. You can confront things and not dishonor people. Did you hear that? You can confront things and not dishonor people. Mackenzie graduated from Lakeville South High School in the top 5% of her class. Why? Because you honor your children, you honor your parents, and you will receive something from them. You'll get some. I want you to know that we don't see who you are by what you did. We know that there is something amazing about you that even you don't always see and believe. God does not make junk. Right? God values people. God values you. But why is it so difficult to think God doesn't also value others? And that if, and if, if I believe God values me, then I have to believe he values other people. Therefore, I should honor other people because God put his imprint on them. And when I don't honor other people, it's as though I'm not honoring God. You know, the qu- quickest way to get you to dishonor me is by talking about your kids. If I walked up and I just tore down your kids right to your face, you'd probably slap me. Because you, you honor, and yet we attack God's kids all the time and think there's no problem with it. We're not going to rehearse, we're not going to rehearse people's sins. We're going to rehearse the promise. It's finished. What if we became, if we became a culture of honor, if we became a culture of honor, what we would do is go to people who've had failures, who have fallen short, who have made mistakes, and we would go up and show them honor and identify what they're great at and who they really are instead of spending time telling them what they shouldn't have done. Are you quiet today because of 4th July? Or, or are you sitting there going, whew. This isn't as monumental as you think. In your mind, you're thinking, we're so steeped in dishonor. Is there any way out of this marsh? Yes. You know why? We have the Holy Spirit. And you know where he's at? In here. He's just waiting for you to give him permission to change the culture of your own thinking into a culture of honor and to put you in positions where you learn to honor people instead of dishonor people. Why is this so important? Well, point two, honoring benefits me. When I honor people, it benefits me because honoring people will bless you more than the one that's receiving it. It will determine what you will receive from them. It's, it's amazing to me because people will come up, will say how much they love Bethel's Rock and they just get fed. I always think that's funny because somehow like that, that you're getting fed. It's, it's a term that's not even really biblical, but... And then all of a sudden, they'll say, well, I feel like we're being led away, and, and we're not getting fed anymore. And, and the first thing that you were, and now you're not, you know what ha- happened? Dishonor. I did something or said something, or you perceived something that offended you. And the moment that happened, offense turns into dishonor 
and dishonor shuts the door of receiving anything from me. So when you don't honor your parents, literally, if you have parents and you don't honor them, you look at your parents and there isn't anything your parents can do to bless you because you refuse to let it in. Why is honor so important? And I believe the, the problem in the church, the reason that the church is not experiencing the life and power in America the way it should is because we don't understand honor and our dishonor has shut off any access to heaven. Here, here's this, this story you're probably very familiar with, Mark 6, through, 2 through 5. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What is, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, what did they take offense at him? Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives in his home his own home. What did they do first? They took offense at him, and Jesus says they had no honor, dishonored. Why do you think Satan works so hard to get you offended with people? Think about this. Who doesn't want you to be blessed? Who wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life? So how does he pick? How are there certain people in our life that, he, that, he, that literally he works on creating a dissension in between us and them. Why, why is it just random that those relationships, or could it be that God intends to release a blessing in your life that always comes through people, and Satan's got to get you offended by them in order to put up a wall so you can't receive anything from them? See, we don't really believe that. We think that forgiving people is absolving them, them treating me the way they did. And, and rather than saying, okay, when that offense comes, there's a, a blessing that's coming. One, there's a reason I got offended. What is God working inside of me? And two, this person is going to release something into my life. I'm not going to get offended by him. I'm not going to dishonor them because apparently God wants to bring something to me through them. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with problem, prom, problems. <laughs> Promise. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long, long life. I'll never forget one of my twins when we were talking about a 90th birthday party for someone in our church. He, one of them says, Wow, 90 years, they must have really obeyed their parents. And, and I'm like, that's right, honey, they did. And if you don't start obeying us, you'll live till 50. <laughs> so you need to start listening. <laughs> honor is given. Honor is given. Respect is earned, but honor is given. The moment you decide to take an honor test, the moment you decide to take an honor test, you're going you're gonna to be put into a position to honor somebody that didn't deserve it. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, 
whether to kings as the supreme authority or to governors or, or who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of people on Twitter and foolish men. It's in there. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Honor the king. The First, honor is given. Christians should be the example of what it is to honor people. We should be the example of what it is. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? How many say amen? We should be the example of what it is to honor people. So how do you honor one another? Number one, you prioritize people. Now, I want to put a preface here. Except when you're around other Christians. There's nothing more annoying when you're at a church picnic and someone goes, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Just go. Just go. The first one who goes will be first in heaven in that case. Right? This is how the laws in Israel were formed. <laughs> because it's just somebody go, right? But but when you go out to eat and someone comes in, you should honor the person. I mean, I opened the door. I, I was opening the door. A lady was behind me. So I opened the door. And and literally, the lady says, oh, I didn't need you to do that for me. And uh, I was like, well, I, well, I've already done it. So, and they... And, and they sit there, and I said, you know, they, they looked at me, and I said, hey, I, I just wanted to be kind. You know, isn't it like kindness? It's like people even don't know how to deal with it. But to prioritize other people, not to take the best for yourself, but to take, give the best to other people and, and, and prioritize them. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. We honor, we honor God when we tithe. We honor by putting him first. It's his. It's the first. We give him the best. It's, it's like we want to keep the best for ourselves, isn't it? Like if someone comes to you and they forget their shoes, don't we go find the shoes in the back of the closet that we never really liked anyway and we give them those? What if we actually gave them the shoes that were new that we really liked but we haven't worn? Like what I just said is so foreign in our thinking. It's so far from our thoughts. Am I right or am I right? Like we give our leftovers to people in need. We don't give them our best. Because that's for me. I put myself first. I just, then we come up with every reason why we wouldn't give them the best. We, we would, but, but don't you reap what you... If I honor people, not just in my words, but in my stuff, in my actions, and, and everything, I'm honoring people. It's What honor is, is prioritizing them over me. And I just lost the world. Hopefully, I still have the kingdom of God. Hopefully, I still have the believers. That I put them first. And when you tithe today, you honored. In Proverbs 3, 9, says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Here's the second, second thing. Praise them. Honor has a language. You praise them behind their back. You praise them behind their back. This is when, you know, when you praise people, you lift them up. You do it in front of their face. You do it behind their back. And a lot of times we can say nice things about people behind their back and never in front of them. And they never hear what we need to say in front of them. So we need to do it both. But isn't it amazing how 
uh, and this happened, I, I was, uh, I remembered a story when I was uh, writing this where there was someone that no one knew about, but I knew of them and I knew how exceptional they were as a, as a leader and a, as a person, but they were obscure. Nobody knew about where they were at. They were uh, uh, in a position. And so I started talking about the person to people who had influence and I said, you know, that person, I've watched them. They're really an exceptional individual. I've noticed all of the strengths they had. I knew his flaws, but his strengths were exceptional. And when you focus on people's strengths you, and you praise them, it's funny how the weaknesses aren't a big deal. And, and literally, I was shaping people's opinion about a person they had never met. Do you recognize the influence you have? When you start pointing out the, the strengths in other people, and you point, well, yeah, I know that's one of the things they probably struggle with, but have you noticed how good they are with this? And have you noticed, as Christians, wouldn't it be, as in a culture of honor, wouldn't it be crazy if at work, the, everyone around you is pointing out all the failures, and you say, yeah, yeah, I know those can be some, but you know what, I've really taken me, look at how good they do at this. Look at how, how great they handle that situation. If you, you know, wives, you know, my husband, he just, he just does, he sits there and he just doesn't do anything and he just doesn't know why. And rather than doing that, why not stop and say, look at the positive. Well, there ain't no positives. Well, does he get out of bed good in the morning? Yeah. Say, well, he's the best getter out of better I know. There is something. See, that's what dishonor does. Dishonor says there's nothing good about them. And so I totally, like even, even if the president you don't like is in office. I asked somebody this one time. I said, is there anything good that they have done while in office? You know what their response was? Nothing. They even thought about it. Said nothing. Then I said, you're the fool. I actually said that said, you're the fool. Because it's not possible for a single individual on this planet to do everything wrong. You're a fool. And the reason you don't think they've done anything good is because you're not looking for the good in them. You're just looking for another reason to dishonor them. You don't want to honor them. You don't want to respect. You don't want to. So you only look for the things that are bad in the person. In a culture of honor, we only look for the things I can celebrate in the person, that I can praise about that person. It's quiet in here. It's like, you know where I had my problem? I'll tell you, I, I had a problem because people give reason why we should not honor them. There's all, everybody will have a reason why we don't need to honor them. If you focus on it, I can find a reason not to honor anybody in this room. We all have them, right? And the one I had the hardest time with when I was talking about honor a number of years ago, the Lord really worked on me, was referees. Man, do I struggle with referees. It, isn't it funny? This is a, it's the one thing I just struggle with. Like, how could they be that blind? Of course, I know what is best. I see perfectly. 
it's, it's, if as long as it's 50 feet away. I, if it's here, I can't see it all. But if it's, if, right? And I just struggled with referees. And so I was struggling. Even as we're going through it, I'm struggling with referees. And so I asked the Lord to help me. And you know where the Lord helped me? Our girls were captains on the team. He put me right in positions where I had to keep my mouth shut. Put me on a desk or up in a box. And uh, when I did try to like scream, the person next to me would go, uh, you can't say anything. Keep your mouth. And I look at him and go, that's the Holy Spirit, like right there telling me. I don't even know if he's saved, but he's the Holy Spirit. It's using his voice right now to tell me to honor this ref. And so you, yeah, when you don't honor someone, it's important to, there's a saying, you fake it till you make it. And people have a hard time with that. When you don't honor someone, you should go up to them and say something about them that you really appreciate. Because you're going you're gonna to honor that person. And you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? You mean when I tear people down, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit? Yeah. When you tear the president down and you attack them, when you attack lifestyles, people of lifestyles, you're attacked. You know, Target made a decision to put a bunch of stuff up that you don't agree with, right? That's contrary to what we believe as believers. And there was such a backlash that they actually, in most Targets, removed it off the floor. But do you know what a bunch of Christians did online? They went and attacked the designer of the stuff. They went and attacked them on social media. That's not what Christians do. It's one thing to attack a corporation. It's a complete other thing to attack the object of God's love. See, people are broken. If they're not believers, they're going to act broken. And I assure you, when Christians attack those people, they're probably less likely to get saved. <laughs> you, don't, you don't attack people. You don't attack the object of God's love. If you had a child that was wayward and doing crazy things, and I came along and attacked your child, how many of you would have a problem with me? Do you think maybe God has a problem? with his kids attacking his siblings, their sibling. We're, we're, we're believers in Christ. But broken things are broken. In Richfield, we have people that will come to that church and drag. People love them. You say, how does that possible? Because that's where you want them. You want them to experience the love of God because you yelling and screaming at them isn't going to change them. You declaring who they are in Christ and with the help of the Holy Spirit that works from the inside out will transform them into the image of God. But telling them what they're not isn't going to help. We need not to be people attacking other people. We need to honor people. We need to honor them. Third thing is we need to protect them. Anything of value in your life, you will protect. You're praying for your marriage. You're praying for your families. Pray for your health, your fruitfulness, your to be fulfilled. But you protect people you honor. Protect the honor of Jesus Christ. 
protect his honor. We're not going to be rude. We're not going to be mean. We're not going to be defensive, but we should be feel proud to be part of the family of God. Some people are embarrassed to say they're a Christian or a believer in Christ. But Mark 8, 38 says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. John 7, 18 says, he who speaks on his own does not does so to gain honor for himself, but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. That we, we need to honor people. We need to honor God. And you know what? The final people will honor you and God will honor you. God doesn't need you to work for your own honor. He says, I'll honor you if you honor me. I'll honor you. And if you honor people, people honor you. It's a cycle. It's a circle. Listen, but you aren't going to get honor if you don't sow it. Here's the last piece of wisdom. The more I honor something, the more I gain from it. The more I value something, the more I'll get value from it. The more I honor something, the more I'll gain from it. You get something from those things that you honor. If you want to, you honor your parents, you say, well, they didn't deserve it. Well, you will get nothing from your parents. And everything your parents do and say, you will view as pointless until you honor them. And then you'll discover, oh, I, I, I made a point to honor my parents. And you know what I discovered? They aren't so dumb after all. They're not so foolish after all. Like they actually have some wisdom that I can gain from it. And some of it, maybe I got to go through, you know, you know, Archie Bunker's your parents. You may, it may be less. Old, older people in the room know what I'm talking about. If you knew that, you're old. You didn't know that, you're, you don't worry about it. But there is something we can, we can attain, wisdom we can get from people if we honor them. Will you stand? I want to have Pastor Zach take this over. But I want to ask you, how many want to take the honor test? Raise your hand. You want to take the honor test? Because here's the thing. If we're going to shift the church into a culture of honor, every person in that culture well, not every, but you need to get a lot of people in that culture, in that, that setting that says, I can't worry about them, but as for me, we're going we're gonna to honor. And, and, and if you're the head of your home, you can start to develop honor in your home, in your children, by teaching them what it is to honor. Because everything that's out there on kids' television is about dishonoring authority. And then when you get on talk radio and all you talk about is how bad the president is and how bad politicians are and how bad uh, our leaders are and how bad the pastor is and how, how bad, uh, you know, the mayor. And you start tearing down what you're teaching your kids. It's honor. And that's what cartoons and all of these, a lot of them is just they reject. But if you, if you can get a hold of this by, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and he works in you. And you give them, imagine your kids, won't, it won't be as hard for your children. Because they saw it modeled for them. It'll be much, you're going to break the chain of dishonor and create a new chain of honor. How many are ready to do that? But we're going to do it by the Holy Ghost, right? Father, right, just look at me. I, I'm, I'm going to have you pray this prayer with me. Father, I want a culture of honor in my life.
but I need help. So I'm coming. I'm asking. I'm knocking. And I'm searching for the power of God living in me, the Holy Spirit, to help me to become a person of honor. I'm ready, Lord. And I give you permission to work in my life, starting right now.